Welcome, welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Tonight, we've got author, PR coach, marketing strategist, Lillian Sue on talking about a crowdfunding campaign for a brand new publicity book. After that, we're talking books still with New York Times bestselling author, Brad Meltzer, plus Susan Eisenberg joins us to discuss his book, I Am Wonder Woman. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies. Driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, listening to us on the big 550 KTRS. Hello to all of you out there. Hopefully you're driving safe in some of this crazy weather we're having. You know, the pop-up rainstorms followed by sunshine. It looks like I was clouding up again there. Who knows what's going on in your area? Stay safe out there, St. Louis. If you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, thank you for finding us there and listening. And hopefully you've left us a nice five-star review by this time. And of course, if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube and listening live there via one of the apps or the KTRS app, Thank you to all of you who tune in each week. We're very glad to have you along for the ride on Geek Me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. My first guest is a Twitter friend. Uh, She's a PR strategist, a public speaker, an author. She's a little bit of everything. And right now there's a new crowdfunder that she's got going for a book, The Powerful Publicity Prescription, which you can back. And we'll talk more about that, too. Lillian Sue, how are you? Doing well, thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Of course. Always glad to talk to you. Uh, you've got such great insights because I know you and I have talked before about, hey, what am I doing wrong in my my marketing thing for uh, the radio show? And you say everything, so I start from scratch. But the the insights you've got, it, it's interesting. Talk a little bit about how you got into the field of PR and marketing. Uh, well, I started on uh, the social media side, actually, and writing copy, so doing websites. Oh doing print collateral and that kind of stuff. And I actually got into PR because I had a lot of folks asking me if that's something I did. So I thought, hey, why not try it? See if I like it. See how I can help people. So I started working in PR at first for a bunch of agencies um, that had offices in New York and L.A. And then I branched off and started doing it myself for a lot of fantastic creative people we're talking indie filmmakers and and television shows authors and and i really love what it is that i do Uh, that's a big component obviously loving what you do otherwise you know why are you doing it (laughs) exactly and our friends from mm-hmm. Scene and Nerd Podcast just came into the chats and said hello, James and Lillian. So hello to you at Scene and Nerd Podcast, all the folks over there. Uh, that's a, another great show if you're listening right now and you get a chance to check it out. Scene and Nerd Podcast. We appreciate them tuning in tonight. Um, you talked about the social media aspect of it. When you got into PR, was social media already a big thing or was that something that 
came into play after you were kind of already in the field? It was big and getting bigger. Um, one thing I've noticed in, in all my years of doing this is that they really do work hand in hand. Because I'll tell you, James, I work with and I talk to a lot of authors, graphic novelists, and you know, creative entrepreneurs on a daily basis. And they say to me that they have a really, really tough time doing two things. Number one, coming up with good content for social media because they always feel like they they don't know what to say. So that's a big thing. Number two, staying consistent on social media because a lot of the industry tells them, hey, you have to be on seven days a week, several times a day in order to make an impact. And what they don't realize is that PR, public relations, when you get an interview like we're doing right now, that is fantastic, high-quality content that you can use as part of your social media strategy. And guess what? You don't have to come up with it on your own. You have a podcaster, a blogger, a reviewer, somebody that's helping you create that content. And when you share it, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you are on social media, TikTok, what it's telling your audience is, hey, I should really check this interview or this chat or this event out because this novelist, this creator actually has other people supporting them. So that builds clout for you. That builds your reputation, and that gets more people tuning in because they know that, this podcast that they love is supporting you. Yeah, and, and, and I think that with the uh, abundance of podcasts out there, and there's something, it would seem like it would fit just about every niche. Like, there's stuff out there for, like, in your case, there's realms of PR and marketing. There's podcasts out there for, you know, different shows and films, which obviously then actors and directors like to get on to promote their things like that. Uh, another another uh, one of our friends, the Nostalgic Pod Blast from Atlanta just chimed in and said hello as, as well. He's listening from Atlanta, um, and he just asked about the publicizing, uh, the publicizing for people like movies and films that there's a SAG after strike on. If I'm not mistaken, Lillian, it's just that they can't talk about current projects. They can talk about legacy projects, though, if they still wanted to do some stuff, correct? Or is that a strike-by-strike basis, agency-by-agency, union-by-union basis? As far as I know, they're still able to talk about legacy projects, and certainly because I work with a lot of uh, indie folks that aren't always unionized. Yeah, sure. Um, they do. They do have the freedom to talk about their their current and future projects and everything. And to your point about finding podcasts and other shows out there, there's so many podcasts and YouTube shows and radio shows just like yours that really support just about anything: mental health, entrepreneurship, and the stuff that we love in regards to comic books and graphic novels, movies and TV shows and everything. So it really is when you're looking to get on something and actually I I believe there's somebody that we know in one of our mutual chats there who's actually documenting his journey in writing a comic book. Like I told him, there are a ton of outlets out there that would love to support you and hear your story Uh, But it's a matter of you reaching out to them, right? This whole thing, PR doesn't have to be scary. It's about really figuring out what you want to share with people 
and then reaching out and building those relationships because you have common ground with these people because you're interested in the same things. And on top of that, they're always looking for content. You know, podcasters are always looking for guests and they're always looking for great stories to share with their audiences. So don't be afraid to sit down, dig into a little bit on who's out there and then reach out. So it's interesting because there's, I feel like if you're doing a press for a movie or you're an actor or a director, that's a little more flashy than for say, if someone, if someone like if, if me, let's say I'm wanting to do PR and I'm wanting to promote a radio show or something. Well, that's kind of a, an odder thing. It might not be as sexy to promote as a film or a movie, or even in some cases, uh, like a book, if you're a writer. Um, so with that, I think that's kind of, you have to craft the PR around the project. I'm assuming. Yes. Yes, you have to take different angles on why the project matters. Like, ultimately, when you are reaching out to these folks for an opportunity to get interviewed or be a part of their event, whatever the end goal is, you have to tell them why your project matters, right? Because the other part of it is is that there's so many of them out there, people are busy, you want to make sure that you're getting in front of the right audiences. So it's not the spaghetti approach where you chuck it at the wall and you see what sticks. Right. What you're doing <laughs> is actually doing the research to figure out, okay, like if I am a graphic novelist and I write you, you know, stuff that's similar to Image Comics or, or uh, Valiant and things like that, where are the people that read stuff like that? Where are the podcasts they listen to, right? Those are the places you want to hit and you want to hit first. And it's really important to tell them what makes your project unique. So dig a little bit and make sure that you are positioning yourself as the creator and positioning the project the, the right way. Because you're right, in, in a lot of ways, uh, film and TV can be flashier because you have a lot more videos, visual mediums, and things like that to play with than maybe you would with a book. But it comes down to always how you position your story. And the crowdfunding idea that you've got now for this one, if I make sure I got this right, the Powerful Publicity Prescription, which I love alliteration, so I'm already a fan of the title. Um, With this book, talk a little bit about the book itself and then the crowdfunding campaign. Sure. I decided to write this book because I had authors and other creatives in my network saying, you know, it'd be awesome if I wrote a book because they have something to always reference back to. Because on social media, they're just getting bits and pieces of actionable tips from me. They're not getting the entire picture of what PR is, why it's powerful, and how to make it work for them. So in this book, I start off with basically historical context on why PR is powerful. I go into why you should consider incorporating it into your marketing mix. And I talk about the importance of how to position your story the right way, how to brainstorm your goals for a campaign, how to get the right mindset for a campaign so that you're not going into it thinking that if you have no media experience, you can land on 
Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel <laughs> right away. Right. You know, and I go into how to build a strategy step by step. Everything from what's a media kit and this is what you need in it all the way to, okay, now you've gotten an interview and it's gone live. How are we going to share it to keep the momentum up? And the reason why I decided to run the crowdfunding campaign isn't just to help me finish the book and get it published, you know, with the editing and the cover design and everything. I'm also doing a workbook and a glossary that'll go along with the book. It's also my goal to donate books to nonprofits that need help. Oh, very nice. Because so many, so many of them don't have the resources to hire somebody to do it for them, right? Yeah. Another thing I'm doing is I want to start a monthly membership club, and I'm giving away a few scholarships for some lucky entrepreneurs to join my monthly membership club to get some personalized <laughs> coaching on how to make all of this work. And right now, I'm actually, I just announced an exclusive bonus this weekend where anybody who donates 25 bucks or spends 25 bucks on a perk or more can get exclusive templates for free. Hmm. So what I'm doing in all this is that I'm not just giving the book or having a pre-order campaign for the book. I want to be able to give everybody who backs this campaign not the book plus actionable workbooks and templates and things like that, that they can take what they've learned from reading the book and actually put it into action. And I decided to write this for the authors, the graphic novelists, the creative folks that even you and I know, because I'm tired of the entrepreneurs and the small businesses getting left behind. Like, this is the book that really addresses how to make PR work for them. And that was going to be my next question, which you've kind of addressed now. I was going to say, who would this be good for? Because obviously there's different PR for different business types. If you're uh, if you're a, a chemical company and you're doing food additives, it's a different PR campaign than you would run for as you said, a graphic novelist. So ideally, I would think from what you've described, this would be a book that's good for anybody who works in PR, period. But is it, are you saying it's specifically geared for smaller business types, graphic novelists, writers, authors, or is it you know, people who are currently in the field can also use it for larger companies? It's specifically geared towards the entrepreneurs, the smaller brands, and the solopreneurs. So, like, you and I know graphic novelists, we know other podcasts or podcasters, uh, authors, indie filmmakers, smaller startup kind of businesses, and this book is geared towards them because there isn't anything that's specifically geared towards them. A lot of times, in my experience from the people that I, the clients that I've had and the people that I talk to on a daily basis... They have to kind of piecemeal everything together because there isn't a resource that they can go to that's going to help them learn how to build a PR campaign. So with this book, I mean, this book is definitely geared towards your authors, your filmmakers, your graphic novelists, um, your smaller businesses, your tech startups, that kind of thing. All the folks who can't necessarily afford to hire 
a big firm to come in and do a campaign for them for 30, 40 grand. Right. This is the book that they can use to help them gain the confidence to learn how to make it work for themselves. And if you're just now tuning into the show, we're talking with PR coach, author, public strategist, Lillian Sue about her crowdfunder for the powerful publicity prescription. So I'm I'm more familiar with Kickstarters. I feel like 99% of the people we've had on the show have been Kickstarter campaigns. I know there's also Indiegogo and there's crowdfunder uh, for someone like me. I'm just, you know, I run the radio show. Joey V, my executive producer, sits across from me. He does 90% of the work, all the heavy lifting. If I bought this book for him, it would be something that would help us out as a as a show in general but i'm curious uh with the crowdfunder is it an all or nothing like it has to be fully funded or nothing happens or is it different from indiegogo how does the crowdfunder work for this particular project you've got well the crowdfunder that i have set up and the platform gives you this option is basically whatever i get i keep it all okay so no matter what uh, I will be moving forward with publishing Good. the book and getting the Good. workbook and the glossary out there. And the intention is to also um, keep it running so that you know, we can, I can make enough of an impact and reach enough people, enough of the authors, the graphic novelists, the filmmakers, who I think really do need this book. And it's, you know... So no matter what, because it is a keep-it-all style campaign, I will be definitely publishing it. So all my campaign backers won't be wasting their time and energy in supporting this. Good to know. And again, if you're listening to this after the fact in the podcast form, we're going to have a link to the crowdfunder in our show notes. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, and it'll be right there. Uh, You can click on that. Uh, We've just got a couple, uh, probably about 30 seconds left or so. Uh, How soon does the campaign end? Uh, Right now, it ends at the end of July, but I am also looking to extend it. Okay, good. So for any folks that, you know, um, are thinking about it, that, you know, might not maybe not have the funds right now, I'm looking to extend it as well. So, you know, Sign up for for updates, subscribe, uh, and, you know, keep an eye out for that. And if people want to keep up with you online, check out your other work, uh, website, social media handles, things like that? Uh, LSue23 on Twitter, Lillian Sue Copywriter PR on Instagram, and in retrospect, writingservices.com as my website. Perfect, and we'll have links to all those in the show notes as well. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page after you finish listening to the episode, those will be down there. Lily and Sue, I appreciate your time. Best of luck with the crowdfunder, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again. I would love to, James. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good rest of your night. Be well. You too. Take care. There she goes, Lily and Sue. We'll have the link for that crowdfunder. Hopefully you can get in there. I know Chance was in the comments. Joey's already answered him, though, as to uh, the cost and the crowdfunding status, so you can click that link there. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're going to come right back after this, our interview with Brad Meltzer and Susan Eisenberg talking I Am Wonder Woman. You're listening to geek to me Radio. Please stand by. Hello, hello, hello. This is Lucy Davis. I play Etta Candy in Wonder Woman, and this is geek to me Radio. Come and listen. We're very, very nice. 
I'm your host, James Edstall. I want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. That's discoverstcharles.com. For those of you looking online, discoverstcharles.com. Lots of stuff going on. The weather is great. It's summertime. I see people out there all the time. We just were out there uh, not too long ago, and it was just bustling. With the, the patios are crowded with people eating the food out there. There's people having their wine on the outside. There's people shopping, laughing. Just a great time. If you've not been out there lately, make sure you go check it out. Festival season is coming up very quick. There's always something going on. There's a new restaurant opening up, a new store you may not have seen. And it's always a good time to visit St. Charles. Whether you're from out of town or close by, make sure you start your trip at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Going to roll right into my interview with Brad Meltzer, helped out by Susan Eisenberg, here we go. I'm very excited for my next guests. I've had them both on the show individually. I say guests. Susan basically co-hosts the show. Uh, but we've got Brad Meltzer talking about his brand new book in his I Am series, I Am Wonder Woman. So, of course, I also had to have the voice of Wonder Woman, Susan Eisenberg, joining us. Uh, Brad, Susan, I appreciate you both coming on. Woohoo! Susan and I know each other from Twitter and Instagram and social media, but we've never spoken voice to voice. So I love the fact that we don't just get to do an interview here, but it brings two uh, virtual friends together and makes them real friends. That makes me very happy. You know, it's funny because people talk about social media and how horrible it can be. But in my experience, it's it's just been a, a gift because... You know, without gushing too much, I got to meet people like you, and I met James through social media. Um, so it's it's just been a win all around for me, anyway. I said not many things as good things come from Twitter these days, but getting right. to know you on there has been one of the true treats. I think Mike, Mike Tyson said that uh, Twitter is basically like Fight Cub for people who have never been in a fight. I think that's- I thought that the, <laughs> quote, the quote that he said that I loved, which he said... There's a lot of people talking smack because they don't know what it's like to get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It gives people so much courage that don't, you know, and they're using it in all the wrong ways. It's just, yeah, anyway. And listen, other, talk, about, you know, talk about the perfect segue to talk about, you know, what to do when you have power and use it in the right way. Exactly. That's uh, that's all about what Wonder Woman is. And I love the story. I, I You forwarded me the uh, pages for this, Brad, and I shared them with Susan as well. Uh, just the, it, it struck me very much as it, it's kind of following the movie with Gal Gadot came out, but there's all these loving nods that you put in to the various creators who have worked on the story. So kind of walk me through the process. When you're formulating this brand new book in the I Am series, how do you decide to start? What kind of stories do you decide to follow? How does that all come together for you? I mean, that was my question, but I'll let you have it, James. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, the truth is, is it all has to follow one rule first. And and this was a a, a series that my buddy Chris Aliopoulos and I, who's the artist on the books, have one rule we follow, which is um, this series was launched to give our kids better heroes to look up to. And we spent years doing Amelia Earhart and Abraham Lincoln and Rosa Parks and Dr. King um, and trying to give our kids heroes of compassion and kindness and perseverance. But what we eventually reached was, you know, those of us who grew up on superheroes realized that we learned um, even more amazing lessons from Superman and from Batman and, of course, from Wonder Woman. So we always start with 
trying to give our kids. Not just let's tell a cool story because we can tell anybody, any character, but but what what's the core lesson? And you know, as you saw, we we honor everybody. There's no rule. There's no. It's not just the Wonder Woman movie. It's not just George Perez's Wonder Woman. It's not just you know so Demattis when he did it back in the day, or Phil Jimenez, or anyone else who's worked in it, or the great Susan Eisenberg. Right? I mean, <laughs> to us, every version. Mm-hmm. And and when I went to DC Comics years and years ago, they said to me, here's how continuity works. They said there's continuity that will never be changed. Superman comes from Krypton. Batman's parents die. It's sacrosanct. You don't change it. He said, and then there's, you know, the stories that people tell and people enjoy. And he's like, and, you know, we, we like that continuity. He says, but then there's just stories that nobody likes and they're bad. And we ignore the ones that are bad. And I, I remember going like, is that right? Is that true? Is that how we do it? And I, I actually am not sure that's right. I think what is more correct is comic books are a quilt that gets knit over time. And the best stuff gets used everywhere. So Superman doesn't fly in the comic books. He flies on the radio show. And then they're like, that's a really good idea. We should have him fly. And so flying mm-hmm. becomes... Superman. And to me, it's the same thing you see with Wonder Woman. There were things that were done beautifully on the cartoon show, beautifully in the movie that became part of the comics. And and that's what we do the same. So we, we literally went through, I went through every Wonder Woman version I could find, even to my favorite Linda Carter, and started from there and said, what's the best version? And luckily, we've got the best version on with us, Susan Eisenberg. Just my opinion, but I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna... <laughs> Nice work, James. <laughs> when you were reading this, Susan, did you have any any thoughts as a someone who's embodied the spirit of Diana? Do you have any thoughts or any things that you were kind of like wondering for Brad? Well, it's funny because as I was reading it, I heard my voice. <laughs> as did I. Oh, you have, by the way, you have to do Susan. You have to do a story time with me for this one. Yes. Oh, I would love to. I would. We love have to, to do Absolutely. that together. I would. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I, I just it 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 always. It always gives me a thrill when I see different iterations of the character. So if she's drawn differently and if she, um, you know, she's she's a, a child in this. So it's thrilling to to see her in 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 that iteration because I'm used to seeing her and do, and voicing her as a woman, a young woman, but a woman. And so going back to her origin is it, it's just. This is what I came away with. I just thought the whole experience was delightful. Um, it just felt delightful reading every every piece of it and seeing her and having her explain who she is to me, um, frankly. It was just, um, it was a joy. It, I, I loved it. I just loved it. <laughs> and I was going to ask, like, how do you decide? I was, what James asked in the beginning, how do you decide what you put in there and what you don't put in there? Because it's, it's just there's it's such a rich body and to choose from and how do you edit it that's the right question i mean that you know for me it's so interesting you know superman everyone can kind of tell you what the superman origin is in the best version and mm-hmm. and everyone can in batman too everyone knows you know he's the parent the parents have gone down the alley there's some pearls from the mm-hmm. mom's you know necklace like wonder woman is actually oddly much more difficult i actually think she's the hardest of the three not not the hardest you know to write but 
there's just so many different versions. There's versions where yeah. she's carved from clay. There's versions right. where she's the daughter of a god. There's versions where, and all of those are fine and good, and everyone has their different version that they love, depending on which one they were exposed to when they were 13, right? Because that's the, what we always love the most. Mm-hmm. But what, what I had to figure out, and I have to admit, I, I did have to figure it out for myself. I love Wonder Woman, my, you know, and I'll tell you how important this book was for a moment. My wife is a, um, she was a, a pristine student in school. Like she went to Harvard, she studied hard. She's like, you know, an A-type personality, never gets in trouble, straight and, on, and narrow. And always on the straight and narrow. And the only time that she ever got in trouble, ever, 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 was when she was in kindergarten and the teacher told everyone to sit down and she couldn't help but stand up and spin around like Linda Carter one <laughs> and, and And the, te- the, de- the teacher on that day put her name on the board, and what they would do is they would put a, a sad face next to the name. And, that would, and it was, I, I joke, but it's true, that's the last sad face my, ever, my wife ever got in her whole life. <laughs> right? But my wife is like, Brad, if you screw this book up, I'm going to murder you. This is the most important hero of my life. She grew up, obviously, loving one woman. But for me, as much as I love her, I was like, we all know where she's from, and we all know what we love about her. But I think that the tricky part for me is figuring out why she does what she does. right? And Superman, if you say the why, it's because he came to these parents who came rocketed down he came to kansas they taught him how to be a good person right and if you say batman was parents were gunned down and he wants to stop crime so no child ever again has to experience what he went through we know why he did what he did but i had to really think about why does wonder woman do what she does we know what Mm -hmm. she does but why and i called my friend alan heinberg who's the screenwriter for the first wonder woman movie and I spent an hour on the phone with him saying, tell me everything you love about her and talking mm-hmm. to him about, you know, because to me that what, what the Wonder Woman movie did do is it did do to me the best why. And he cracked it open for me when he explained to me is that, you know, is it, I will say making someone a warrior for peace. I was always like, I don't know what that means. Is she a warrior? Or is she for peace? Like, I don't know how to square that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. why does she do what she does? And, and we talked about it and he said, you know, listen, the, paradise island right itself it's hidden it keeps the amazon safe and and they teach her if outsiders come here you have a responsibility to our people if they need help you got to be there and the key moment is of course when steve trevor crashes there is wonder woman's moment to say i can help i can do this Uh, and, and and why what's her why because I have to. We have mm-hmm. to have a responsibility to each other. We have to. That's what she's taught her whole life. That's what the Amazons are there for, is to protect this island, protect each other. And it's her mother saying, you can't, Diana. And, and we all know that moment when you say to your parents, I don't care what you want me to be. I have to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And that was the core of Wonder Woman to me, because that's the core of compassion. That's her center. If You know, and... And if Superman is, you know, if, if Batman is justice and Superman, you know, is, is you call him the truth, call him whatever you want. But compassion is what Wonder Woman's for. Is. And, and I, Alan and I were talking. I was like, oh, that's what you did. That's it. And, and we built from there. And, and then, of course, all the pieces clearly fell into place for us. And it's interesting, the point you bring up about a warrior for peace, as soon as you said that, 
Susan, my mind went to the episode of Justice League Unlimited, Hawk and Dove, where it's Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and Hawk and Dove, and they're fighting the Destroyer. That the you know the big it's powered by hate. Diana's the one who figured it out, and she's literally caught between these, these two superheroes. One who's all about punch them in the face as hard as you can. The other way is trying to find a way to be peaceful. And it's such a great episode, and it just encapsulates encapsulates. Let me try that again. Encapsulates so beautifully what Brad just said about Wonder Woman to me. I agree a thousand percent. And also, like, the word compassion comes up all the time when discussing her. I mean, the warrior and the princess come up, too, because I remember being directed by Andrea Romano to make sure I had both those pieces. That, you know, and I've said this many times on your show, James, that it was always about remembering she was a warrior, but also always remembering she was a princess as well. But the compassion piece is always there for me. Always, always. And you know, for Bruce and Andrea. And I think when you look at a Linda Carter or you look at a Gull, when you see those TV shows and that movie, I think what was so brilliant about the casting of those two women is that there was just something about them that the compassion came through. And I think that's like a missing ingredient sometimes, um, is that ingredient that is the character and you can't act it. It either is there or it's not there. And I, I think in the cases of Gal and Linda, they were just there. It was just in them. And I think that's why, you know, they resonated with an audience. And I know, no, listen, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the thing that I, I, and you hit it right on the head, you have to be strong. And that's easy to find in actresses, right? Yes, you, you know, absolutely. To, and, you, and you have to be, you know, that princess side, right? You have to have that softness, yep, too. The regal. But, yep, but, absolutely. but you have to be regal. But the hardest part is that unknown. It's the X factor. And I think yep. it's exact. It's what you have in your voice. It's what Gal has. It's what Linda Carter has. Right? It's like, it's why everyone loves Christopher Reeve. It's not, you can't put your oh. finger on it, but you just know yep. it's the right thing. And for me, 100%. that's the compassion side. You know, there's, when you read the, and this is a kid's book, right? She, she, we show her as a kid all the time. She's always drawn as a little kid in the book by Chris. And the reason we did that when we first started doing this kid's book series is, the editor said, well, why don't we show them getting bigger when they get bigger? So we had Amelia Earhart was our first kid's book. And I had Chris Eliopoulos. We, I said, okay, fine. When she grows older, draw her as an adult. And he drew her as an adult. And every mm-hmm. kid who read the book was bored because they <laughs> saw some, like, old woman, you know? And I said, what uh-huh. if we draw him as a kid the entire time? And then the message is to every kid, boy and girl reading this, is these aren't the stories of famous people. This is you. You're capable of this. We're all capable of this in our very best days. Yeah. And there's a line from the book I'm just going to read to you. It, and it, it sums it up for me. It's, it, this is right after, you know, Steve Trevor comes. I actually changed it. I put him back in World War II because I like her old World War II origins from the comics. Me but, too. I love it. And, and Steve Trevor comes and, and lands and he basically says, I got to fight. You know, the Nazis here, they're going to, you know, their cruelty's on match. They're going to kill thousands of people. And she's like, thousands of people. And it, it says this. It says, my mother thought I was different from my fellow Amazons, that I was filled with too much compassion, concerned when others were suffering. That's not a weakness. It's a strength. And then she says to her mom, you once, what was it you once told me, mother, that I had a responsibility? If they need help, you need to be there. Surely you meant all people. And then it says it was the first time I saw my mother speechless. And she says, you are everything I could ask for, my daughter. And that's... That was the page that I was like, I finally feel like I can find that part of Wonder Woman that we all know is there, 
but for a little kid, you have to point out for them. And I want my daughter to know, and I want my sons to know, that if someone needs help, you go help them. That's yeah. That's and now that you've said that too, I think we need an "I Am the Doctor" book featuring you know Doctor Who. Uh, so I don't know if you can work with the BBC on that. But uh, <laughs> I would like to make. I want to. I want to make it like a. I want to make it like a TARDIS where when you open the book, it's longer on the inside. Oh, that's that, you know, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I know you came from the comic book world. I mean, not you came from the comic book world, but you've you've obviously worked heavily in comics. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we talked before. You grew up reading all these comics. You've got a collection. Susan came from it from a different standpoint. She never read Wonder Woman comics, and this was kind of her first introduction. So when you're as Susan for you, when you're reading Brad's book now with uh, with this is it pretty much the stuff that you were kind of given as notes saying here's how you find the voice be it from bruce or andre or anybody else or is this kind of a, a slightly different take than you were expecting no it wasn't i didn't have an expectation from the book from brad's book so it was just like a it was just every moment was a surprise and that's why i said it was delightful because i i didn't know anything about it going in and so it was just, it felt like an accumulation of things I've read and seen, not necessarily, I mean, from Justice League, of course, I mean, Steve Trevor, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but just so so many other things as well, you know, because having, having this job has allowed me um, a window into Wonder Woman and, you know, from the comics, from the cartoons, from the live action. So I've, I've educated myself and looked at so much of it. So this was just, it was like a compilation of it all. And um, it was like, oh, there's that piece. Oh, that's, okay. Oh, that's how you pronounce the mascara. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it, it was just all there, you know, but it wasn't one thing. It wasn't like, oh, that's what Andrea said. It was, it was so many things. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it was, it was just an experience. That's I was just going to ask, uh, with with movies, obviously we see these movies, there's a lot on the cutting room floor that doesn't get in. When you're doing a book like this, do you pretty much have your roadmap done, or was there stuff that's like, oh, I'd love to include this, but we can't, and stuff gets left on the air quotes cutting room floor, even for a book like this? And before we get to that question from Brad, we're going to let you know about our premier comic book shop. We're talking Wonder Woman for crying out loud. Of course, we're going to talk about Bugs Comics and Games. Go to their Facebook page, Bugs Comics and Games. Give the Facebook page a like. If you are wanting to get this particular book from Brad Melter, I am Wonder Woman, give Larry a call at Bugs Comics and Games or pop by the store out there on Brian Road and say, hey, can you order this? Chances are he will be able to do that. There are comic books that he might not always carry, like Shadow Man from Valiant, but I'll say, hey, I'm kind of curious about this storyline. He'll get it for me. He'll put it on the order list along with a few other copies and things like that. So it's a great uh, resource if you're wanting to get a certain comic and maybe you can't find it. Go out to Larry. He will order it for you to make sure you can get it at his store, Bugs Comics and Games, on Facebook. Give the page a like. And of course, if you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, drive by the store out there in O'Fallon, right off of either the Page Extension or Highway 70 on Bryan Road, back to the Quick Trip. Cheap gas at the Quick Trip, by the way. That's why I always fill up when I'm out there, too, because it's cheaper than any place else around. Uh, but it's a great place to go in if you're selling comic books, if you're buying comic books, if you're an old-time reader, long-time reader, brand-new reader, and you want to start reading the current Wonder Woman and everything else that's out, check it with Larry. Ask him what's out there ask him what you want based on your predilections for i like superheroes i like independent comics 
He's got it. First of all, he'll be able to say, here's what it is. Here's why you should be reading it. Here's why it's good. Like the Vanish, uh, the Vanish comic from Image is, is great. And he recommended that to me. I loved it. Not usually uh, an independent comics guy, but this was a great read. Larry knows his stuff. Bugs, Comics, and Games, once again, the official comic book sponsor on geek to me Radio. Make sure you get out there, check out the store, and give their Facebook page a like. Bugs, Comics, and Games on Facebook. That said, let's go back to Brad Meltzer and Susan Eisenberg talking about what Brad was able to incorporate from the various Wonder Woman fandoms and other writers and what DC Comics let him use. Oh, it always gets left on the cutting room floor, especially when it comes to comics for me. I mean, it just, it, you know, I, I would love to do an entire Justice League from the cartoon series, which is the only cartoon I made my son watch. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I, I want to do every single scene of every single thing, you know, and I have to pick and choose. But you can see, like, I'll, I'll pull, you know, I pull certain designs from George Perez, like Silver Swan. I'm like, I want the Perez version. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, I, you know, the Giganta one I pulled from a later one, including, you know, I, I, even Cheetah, I was like, I'm going to pull from a middle point. Like there, you can't, there's no one spot. Everything has its influence right down to, you know, even the costume is like, there's no one error. I'm like, you know what, this, I want this part of this and this part of that. I'll pull Alex Ross lifting a tank and I'll pull, um, you know, Gail Simone and Colleen Doran's great moment from another comic where mm. when the, Wonder Woman gives that little girl a hug is just one of my favorite pages ever drawn about Wonder Woman that we recreated, you know, because we were like, this is a beautiful version and we want everyone to see this. So, you know, and then there's obviously things from the movie and there's things from the TV show and, you know, the opening scene, the opening spread is literally her spinning around, changing from Diana to Wonder Woman. I was like, my wife, when you, I had the moment where I said, okay, and I sat next to her, I sat my wife down and I gave her I Am Wonder Woman. Here's the book for our daughter. Here's the book that's going to teach our daughter that it's important to be a strong woman. You know, that anyone who underestimates you or forget how strong you are, they, you know, they will be so sorely mistaken. And I sit down and my wife, you know, all these years opens the book and she sees Diana Prince spinning into Wonder Woman. And she's like, oh, I love this book. <laughs> right. So, you, you know, you, it's all those things. It's all the things we love. And you got to kind of put them all together. It sounds like well, when I read it, I I, Go ahead, I felt like it was a series. Like I kept just waiting. Okay, when's the next installment? <laughs> like when am I when am I going to be emailed the next installment? <laughs> you know, because it just had that feel to me. Like I could have kept reading. That you know. No, no, unless and that's the goal, right? The goal is is this is a beginning. This is you know we 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 do these books so they're. Everyone, I know my kids were little and now they're bigger. And that, but is you know how do you how do I introduce Batman? How do I introduce Wonder Woman? How do I introduce Superman when when they're really little? Comics mm-hmm. are too intense for them to read. They're just yes. I don't I didn't have anything especially for Wonder Woman. I know there's lots of little kid stuff for for you know you can do for Batman and some of the cartoons of course. But I was like, but for a book, I'm like, what what am I? I, I can't do like you know a rape scene from Paradise Island. Like I can't right. do this version. I can do, and the idea is that this is chapter one. This is where you mm-hmm. fall in love with the character and say this is who it is. And and most important, it you know it's it's just laying out 
what her powers are, where they come from, like what they all mean. She has the invisible. I was like, I want her to have the invisible jet. I, I want her I to. Have- I love right? That. I was I like, it. my wife was like, you better oh. have the invisible jet. I'm like, yes, I know. I thought the same thing. I'm like, where's <laughs> you, you ha- There's it. something right. I, and, I, and my wife always is like, she can't fly because Linda Carter <laughs> never really saw flying. And I'm like, right. she can fly. So I made it in there. She it says, fly. like, Cheetah says she can fly. And she's like, yeah, yep. I can fly. Because I'm like, I, I need it. to lay out no. My daughter's still like, she can't fly. She's not. I'm like, she's, I'm like, she's as strong. She can fly. She can do all these things. So we lay it all out. And then, you know, my favorite moment, again, full credit to Gail Simone and Colleen Duran is she says, you know, people think my greatest power is my super strength or my speed and my reflexes, my magic. So my best powers are my compassion. And it's this little moment. And I just loved it. I loved it when it first ran. And there's this little girl and she says, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, wait for me. And Wonder Woman's just kind of walking away. And she says, and, and a soldier leans down and says, it's just some regular girl. And, and Wonder Woman says, Private, there's no such thing as a regular girl. Hmm. And the little girl comes up and says, can I just give you a hug? And the girl hugs Wonder Woman and says, I have your action figure. And Wonder Woman says, do you? Perhaps someday I'll have yours. And her best power, she says, are my compassion, my determination, and my commitment to fight for what is right and good. And Oh, I was like th- that moment when I saw in the comics, I'm like, we have to use that here. This is how you teach the difference between Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. This is what only Wonder Woman can do best. I'm dialing in Gail Simone lives. right now. So hang on one second. Of course. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, you know, those, mo- those, I mean, those moments really do change lives. I mean, those, so, you know, like people can track those moments in their life. Like when I saw this, when I read this, which is why representation is so, so important because it does change lives. It changes the trajectory of somebody's life or it can oh, have the power. I, to I and- firmly believe that. Oh, listen, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one of the lessons we take, and I'll read another little part. It says, in my life, people kept telling me what type of girl I should be. And this right. is not just one of This is me talking to my daughter, but this is in I Am Wonder Woman. It says they were trying to protect me, telling me I couldn't fight, couldn't train, couldn't leave. But there's nothing I can't do, and there's nothing you can't do. There will be times when people try to limit you. Don't let them stop you from being who you are. Sometimes we all feel a bit invisible. Other times we keep part of ourselves hidden, but I promise you we all have a superhero inside us. And I need my daughter to hear that lesson. I need my sons to hear that the world needs powerful women. And to me, that's the best part of all of this, is giving that message to my kids and teaching them that, you know, those powerful women and, and that you can see the power in each other. Did amen. You, I mean, seriously, amen to that. When you were going through, I'm trying to remember, and you might know more than I, Brad, because I, I will admit I'm not as uh, familiar with all of Wonder Woman's backstories. I'm trying to remember who was the person who first, because she had the Invisible Jet for so long. I'm trying to remember what writer gave her, because I think John Byrne said she had the uh, the boots of... Uh, Mercury, and when she right, got the gauntlet the of that wings was, on them. Yeah, was that right, was, right, right. So was he the one? And that's the thing is, she has the most changed powers depending on who's writing her. Yeah, right? like sometimes mm. she's the daughter of Ares, she's the daughter of Zeus, right. she's the daughter of this. You know, she's carved out of clay. She's there is a Diana Troy. I mean, there is a, a Donna Troy. There's no Diana Donna Troy. There's, right, right. You know, like is there Mindy Mayer? Is there not Mindy? Like I was like, you know, and and. Alan Heinberg, who's, again, the screenwriter from the movie, I sent him the early version of the book to proof for me because I was like, I'd love people to, you know, who do this to read it, who really know it. And he's like, oh, you got you hid that in there. I'm like, you found that, didn't you? And 
and you can see, you know, Susan, I hope you see, you know, all the people like obviously we put everybody in those final pages. We put Linda Carter there. We put Gal there. We, you know, we got you there. We got everybody there, even down to Kathy Lee Crosby. And, you know, like we just were like, even down to the super friends version. Um, right. We put every version it, that we could and pack them in there um, because we just were like this, you know, it's, it's never just one version Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, for the invisible jet, there are people now who are like, they don't use the invisible jet. And when you can see the invisible jet, you can't see her in it and she should be covered up or else. And I was like, no, I need to have the invisible jet windows open so you can see her. And, and what I wrote in the line in there and I added, as I said, I said, I like keeping the windows down so everyone mm-hmm. sees the powerful woman coming. Mm-hmm. That was great. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, because yeah. I always wondered how that works, because if, if she's inside, no one should be able to see her. Otherwise, it looks like she's just sitting down flying. We're like, well, she must have a jet. So that was, was always kind of the little kid brain kind of bugged me when I was watching Super Friends back in the day. Of course. And that's why I had to do it. I was like, <laughs> she's keeping it down. The only reason you see her is because she wants you to see her coming. You see her, right. I'm curious when you're working on the books like this, uh, do you reach, you reached out, obviously you said to this screenwriter of Wonder Woman, the movie DC's kind of said, yes, you can use these characters as you're incorporating. Do you reach out to some of the other writers and say, Hey, I mean, DC's giving you the license to do it. So you don't have to, but do you still like reach out to Gail Simone? Do you still reach out to some of the other writers like David and Meredith Finch or anything like that? Or was it just, no, I've got it. I'll put the homage in there and hope they appreciate it. You know, I, I usually truly put the homage in for everyone. I happen to be friends with Alan, so it was just an easy reach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeff Loeb, um, who wrote Superman for All Seasons, which is one of my favorite takes on early Clark Kent, is just a good friend. So I sent him and said, hey, take a look. Um, but usually it's really just more to say, catch anything that I missed, because I'm so nerdy. I don't think I missed anything, but I'm so nerdy. <laughs> right. I, don't want, I don't want to miss anything. So tell me what right. I missed. And I'm sure, you know, this will get, you know. And there are different versions of Amazons, and there's you know Amazons who used to be white who are now black, and Etta Candy in the comic books is yeah. black, and back in World War II she's white. So we made her black in this version, but in the final scene we put both versions in because I'm like we're not mm-hmm. stupid, we know what we're doing, and you know we're going to show you we have you know we have Steve Trevor there from World War II, and we have him there from now. Like we wanted to show that they're all valid. There's mm-hmm. I, I I just despise when. People say, oh, this, you did this, this, you know, contradicts none of, if you really put it all out, none of it makes sense because it was all told 75 years ago. Right. Right. What you have to do is just take a moment and enjoy it all. There's beauty in all those pages. There's beauty in every version. And every story may not be the best one, but every person who worked on them was trying to tell the best version they could. And whether it was in cartoon, whether it was in TV, whether it was in film, whether it was in comics. And, and my belief is show some love to it all. It all deserves your attention. Yeah, well and said. And I was going to mention that you didn't need to really, I mean, you live with Wonder Woman. So you didn't really, you know, you, you had you had your wife right there. Um, Trust so me, I, well, I, I de- yeah, I dedicated the book in the end. <laughs> I read you that line. It says, for Lila, who's my daughter, it says, you are everything I could ask for my daughter, which is what, you know, Wonder Woman's right. Diane. Mother says, says to her, yeah. and then it says, and for Corey, my other Amazon, for never hiding your power. So I knew that this book was going to always be dedicated to the two of them. 
I'd say you had the toughest critic in the house right there. It's like, man, if, if you give her the book and she slams it shut and throws at you, okay, back right. to the drawing board. Right. <laughs> uh, you have no idea how many times that has happened with my novels. <laughs> it has happened so many times with my novels where she says that this one would have, yeah. And I knew, I, that's the thing is, when I did Superman, when we did I Am Superman and I Am Batman, she was like, that's fine, do your thing. When I did Wonder Woman, she's like, you messed this up and you're finished. <laughs> I'm I'm like curious <laughs> as to with the, you've got all these I am books about historical people like you've done Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, you've done a lot of historical people you're doing this set of kind of fictional characters now Batman Superman Wonder Woman I'm curious not that it matters but sales wise because there's people like me who are comic book nerds I'm gonna go out and buy the book because uh, I'm familiar with your other stuff I know you've written comics and everything like that and I don't necessarily have kids that I'm buying them for it's just for me then there are parents who just get every book in the series sales wise did you see any uptick or anything on the Superman and Batman versus the actual historical characters? You know, I, I, I'll tell you, they've only been out a little bit, so I'll tell you in a year. When when we get uh, the full yeah. year, that's when we see it. And we have to get past, like, the, the holiday season. That's always, mm-hmm. like, and, and the back-to-school season. So I'll tell you that when it comes. But the truth is, is we have, I think we sell, I am Superman, I am Batman, hopefully I am Wonder Woman. We sell them to more adults, I think, than even kids. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, I'm not writing... Just for kids. This is my best version of Wonder Woman. I Am Superman is my best version of Superman. It's it's drawn in Chris's beautiful kind of kid-like style. But to me, I'm just doing my best Wonder Woman comic I can do. And I love the fact that, you know, I get to put it out there and DC lets me have, you know, all the toys to play with. I'm like, I'm going to, if you're going to give me every toy, I'm going to use all the toys. Yeah. Um, so, but, but to me, sales-wise, I know that when I go to book signings, I have far more comic book readers bringing me Superman and Batman than they are bringing me, you know, Rosa Parks or I am Amelia Earhart or I am Abraham Lincoln. They just, I could tell because they come with a stack of like Identity Crisis and Justice League <laughs> and comics I read. Right. And I can right. see that they're like, and here's my Superman and here's my Batman and there's no kid in sight. I was a little nervous when I when you came here to St. Louis to do the reading for your Nazi conspiracy book, uh, and I was a little nervous because like oh I want him to sign this book, but then I'm also bringing along my identity crisis poster. I'm like I hope he doesn't think I'm like this huge nerd having you sign this comic. But then I saw other people online had like you said some Green Arrow comics and things like that, so I didn't feel as bad. Yeah, and listen, that's I mean no one can be nerdier than me, right? Like, yeah, you have nothing to worry about. Like, I'm literally like, the reason I got hired by DC Comics all those years ago is in my very first novel, and this is this is almost 30 years ago now. Wow. Okay, it's 20, 20 some, almost 25 years ago. It was 1997. Um, I basically made, it was a Supreme Court thriller set in the Supreme Court, and all the justices were named after the Watchmen characters. This was like pre-anyone like comics. No one thought comics was cool. No one cared. And and Bob Shrek, the editor from DC Comics, for my fourth novel, he just kept seeing that I was putting, I made like all the White House staff and Garrick and Scott. And he was like, did you just name all the White House staff the Justice Society of America? And and you have to be like, and it wasn't, it wasn't like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. It was like deep, deep cuts. And Bob Shrek waited for my fourth novel. Ted Graham was one of them. Graham was one of them. Um, said, uh, waited in line. He was the last person in line. And he said, I see all these references. You're putting in your books that nobody's getting but us real nerds. And he's like, would you like to write Green Arrow? And I looked up at him from the book sign. And I said, I've been waiting my whole life for someone to ask me that. Oh, and so wow. people ask me how I broke in the comics. And I'm like, I wrote four novels and just showed how nerdy I was. So you have nothing <laughs> to worry about. So 
People bring everything to my comic signings, to my book signings, to TV signings, anything I do it for, whether it's, you know, the cartoon show that we do on PBS Kids, Xavier Riddle, even the premiere of that. People bring thrillers. They bring Nazi conspiracy, which is about the Nazis in World War II, and then they'll bring Green Arrow and Identity Grace. So we, we, we service all, all nerds of all shapes and sizes. It, the, the, I can't stress enough too how great that last book you had out, the Nazi conspiracy was, because I blew through. I'm a World War II kind of a, a nerd, and I loved reading all that stuff, and just was absolutely fascinating. And then, what's your next book? I am Wonder Woman. It's just the versatility <laughs> is just ridiculous. I, I mean, you you must be like the envy of every other writer out there. The, the way you pivot from something that deep and serious and heavy to a kids book. But, but what did I put in the Nazi conspiracy? And you know, because you read it, is I literally put the covers of Captain America yes. in there and the launch of Superman in there because I was like, you would not have these characters, but for World War II, making right. all these people scared of Adolf yeah. Hitler and Nazis encroaching on our shores. And suddenly here mm-hmm. comes this character in red, white, and blue, Wonder Woman in red, white, and blue, Captain America in red, white, and blue. You know, his, the first issue was two Jewish creators punching. Adolf Hitler in the face. Yes, right. That's what that's what Captain America is doing on his first cover, and this is before we're at war. This is when they're just Jewish creators going. We got to fight back. America is not fighting back yet. We got to fight back. And it was comic books that took that first stand. It was the Three Stooges and Charlie Chaplin who took that first stand. I'm not not the Three Stooges. uh, Charlie Chaplin who made the Great Dictator, and um, you know, were the first ones who made parodies of Hitler and said we got to take a stand. And so I love when we did the Nazi conspiracy, putting comic books even into that to show the power of what this medium can do for people. Susan, did you have anything else that you'd want to ask Brad about or uh, anything, uh, comments on the book or anything like that? I just, you know, I'm just giddy that I get to be involved with this conversation because (laughs) um, it's, it's such a treat. And I've been a fan of Brad's for so long. And, you know, like we said in the beginning of the show, um, you know, it's just it's a kick that I, I, the kinds of people I've met, and he's like one of those people. It's like, oh yeah, I know Brad. <laughs> yeah. Listen, no, 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 I, I, Twitter I, friends. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I've spent the last half hour talking to Wonder Woman, so I think I won on this one. This is because I'm going to tell all my friends tonight. Guess who I spoke to today? I spoke to Wonder Woman. So thank you, and I mean it. Thank you for inspiring. There are so many girls and boys out there who watch what you've done. And listen to who you are, and they do the most important thing, Susan, in the whole world when you're a kid, is they believe. And I don't mean just believe in Wonder Woman as a character. I mean in Wonder Woman as an ideal. They mm-hmm. see this strong woman. They see, you know, someone who's, yes, she's armed with shield and sword, but as it says in the book, her first instinct is to love. Mm-hmm. And you heal, you know, you heal the world by realizing we're all in this together. And and that's what is to me, as it says, you know, the, the front of the book always says the title, I Am Wonder Woman, but the back cover of the book, you haven't seen it because you read the early versions before there's a cover, but it always says what the, the moral value is. And it says, I am Wonder Woman, and I see the power in you. And you get all those kids out there who listen to you, you let them see the power in themselves. And that's the best gift you can give to anyone with your art form. It's incredible. Thank you so much for saying that. That you just made my week. Thank you very much. No, listen, there are thousands of kids who are part of your legacy and what you do. You just don't even think about it because I know you think you're just doing what you do, but it matters. Like you said, it always matters. 
And just I'm always blown away that when Susan does these conventions, she'll put pictures on her social media of these little girls coming up dressed as Wonder Woman and, and giving her hugs and everything like that. As warm as my little nerd heart to see that. <laughs> Please, of course, the best. It's the absolute best. I mean, best. listen, I it came is. out of when I saw Spider Verse, and and there was a you know one little kid in a full Miles Morales outfit, and he was jumping around. He couldn't have been <laughs> three, four years old, and I and and I was like, this is why I'm here. This is the moment. And it's one of those things, too. Brad, you mentioned Justice League. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but uh, you mentioned Justice League cartoon. And it's one of those things I'm always astonished because there's people my age who enjoyed it when it was out on Cartoon Network. And then there's people who have kids and they're showing it to their kids and their kids are coming up. And you're seeing a couple different generations of people who coming up to George Newbern and coming up to Susan Eisenberg saying, I, I watched it. Now my kid loves it and they're getting stuff signed. And it's, it's just one of those shows that has, I think it's literally timeless. Well, I watched it myself. I bought the box set because I wanted when they did the, remember the old box DVDs, I oh, bought yeah. it. Cause I was like, I want my kid to see it. And now I don't even have to because it's all I, my my so my oldest saw it on the box set, my youngest t- so much time passed. We got to watch it on recently. We were watching on streaming now, and so it's so mm-hmm. funny. I've watched it in every version it's been, <laughs> and uh, it's still spectacular. It holds up in every level. That's a huge testament, obviously, yeah. to the cast that uh, puts those voices in, and the writers, Dan Reba, and everyone who uh, who wrote and directed on the show as well. Obviously, it's. Uh, it's it's such no, an amazing show. No, of course. Show. And listen, and 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 our and and our and and listen when 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 the voice of Batman passed away last year. I mean, we all of us who loved them and loved his work and loved all that. We know that that power is is you know. Susan, I remember what you posted about everything back then. It, you know, this stuff matters to us. Those of us who love mm-hmm. these heroes. So when you get a chance to do something like I am Wonder Woman, I was like. Yeah, I'm doing it. I, you know, I, I can do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll do Mr. Rogers next. Mr. Rogers will go next, but we got to do Wonder Woman. Mm. And wow, I, I look forward to Mr. Rogers because that's that you, you, you. That sounds incredible, also. Oh, uh, Mr. The Mr. Rogers book is one of the only books. One, I think there's only a two, maybe three. That yeah. while I was writing it, I was crying. Mm. Like it made yeah. me cry. It was so yeah. special because again, he's. Yeah. Like Superman, like Wonder Woman, they just have this thing that teaches you about goodness and kindness. Yes. And that is, you know, that's all I'm trying to do. And so rare these days. So bring it, you know, because well, that's we, the thing is, we, we know, our kids, you know, we are, need our, kid, it so much. Our, our kids are starving for heroes and yes. your kids will pick heroes. Your nieces and nephews will pick heroes. You might as well have some say in it. Yeah, absolutely. And we need heroes. I mean, I feel like I, I need it. I need I want to believe you know, in the goodness, because it gets tested so often these days. So, you know, I, I think we're starved as well. Um, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred bit. We're all looking for something. I mean, that's why, you know, whether it's Mr. Rogers, like I said, or Superman or Wonder Woman, I need that too. I, yep. I need it. I need it every day. I mean, I find myself yep. like, you know, I can go online on my Instagram or go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go wherever. And if I scroll, I'm like depressed in two minutes. I'm little, oh. or I'm outraged, or I'm mad, or I'm something. And then I have to find one of those good news stories that's like, show me, show me uh, a soldier coming home from the war with the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, mm-hmm. show me yep. all the things I love together. Give me a kid dressed as Wonder Woman, hugging Gal. You know, like give yep. me any of those things. Hugging you, like 
those are the things that will I, I need to offset what what everything else is doing. That's why Susan's Twitter feed always keeps you guessing because she'll post a political thing, and then then you ah, oh, the next thing oh puppy. So I that's why Susan <laughs> kind of keeps me on my toes. <laughs> that's why I do it. <laughs> all I'm going to say is is what I love is all the politics of the Wonder Woman in the world are all spectacular, and I'm and there's no coincidence there. Yeah, well there you go. There yeah. you go. And uh, again, if you're if you're listening, uh, we'll have a link to where you can get I Am Wonder Woman. We always say, though, please, please, please go to your local bookstore, get it there, shop your small business. If you don't see it on the shelves, ask. They can probably get it for you. And I believe since it's the I Am Wonder Woman book, I know uh, Larry, my comic book guy, was able to get some into his local comic book shop. So if you're listening, you can always ask your local comic book stop uh, to carry those as well. Brad, I appreciate your time so much today. Thanks for talking, and uh, we will hopefully have you on again for the next one. Love it. Can't wait, Susan. What an honor. There they go, Brad and Susan. Thank you again to Lily and Sue as well. Thank you to all of you who listened. We went a little bit long tonight. Apologies to those of you who are hoping to hear ABC News. Uh, stick around. Max on Movies is up next. Thanks, as always, to Joey V, who sits right across from me, making the show sound as good as it does. Until next week, my friends. This is Geek Tommy Radio. That's our show. This is Geek Tommy Radio. Thank you, Paradise Island. Good night. Hey, kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.